yeah, the, the iRacing stuff, dude, I could never buy one of those from my home. <laughs> so I, that would be, I, I don't know how you stay away from it. Uh, it's not easy. I'll, I'll say it, I'll put it that way. Right now, the first car one lap down is Brad and Joe. I hit a tire. I hit his tire. He broke again. He's a motherfucker. God. I've raced this hard for last in my life. And with that, we welcome you to lap 54 of the One Lap Down podcast. I'm Joe, he's Brad, and he, I think you probably recovered by now uh, after your, your bachelor weekend. I, I, I hear it was a pretty good time. It was a great time. Not much like recovering, recovering. It's just, it was, it was a lot, a lot. We crammed a lot into four days. Uh, we had a good time. I was recording this on the road last week, talking all about Indy. Uh, good job chopping that up on the editing, Joe. We uh, lost certain signal quite a few <laughs> times while I was rolling. So if any of the stories sound disconnected, it's probably because of that. But mm. no, I had a great time down in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, got a chance to watch a lot of, most of the end of the NASCAR race with my brother on Sunday. And uh, when driving back on Monday, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Joe, and maybe this is a PSA, uh, but NTT IndyCar Series podcast is on Spotify, and it's just the replay of the race broadcast. Oh. So you can, like under Spotify podcasts, you could just listen to any of the race broadcasts from the year. So driving home, I just listened to that, and uh, I watched a few of the highlights, but I listened to the entire race uh, for IndyCar, which was pretty cool. So um good good time on the weekend and glad to be home and getting back in a routine good deal man well i'm glad you got to uh you know spend that special time with some special folks and looking forward to talking about uh nascar and and indycar today but also we got to catch up on some f1 news since we didn't talk about that last week and they're back in action this weekend so just real quickly uh as a red bull fan as a max fan there's some things that have uh, kind of piqued my interest in a lot of the the F1 world too. Uh, in case you missed it, Sergio Perez, Checo Perez, uh, got an extension, which he kind of alluded to after his Monaco Grand Prix win, uh, telling Christian Horner, asking him, you know, hey, did I sign too soon? Uh, maybe he thought I could have got more money if I waited till I won a race. But nevertheless, he gets an extension through 2025. Um, shortly after the win, Jos Verstappen, Max's dad, complaining about prioritization. Uh, the team should have let uh max win that race uh which i disagree with entirely uh and then christian horner coming out and saying hey both drivers have a shot at the title as long as they work together for constructors title so really haven't seen drama like this with red bull unless you watch drafters revive and you, you go back to the daniel ricardo days uh with max uh is this something that we should be i shouldn't say we but that that people should be con you know, uh, worried about uh, maybe, you know, a relationship that seems really good between Max and Checo could be tarnished a little bit with all the the conversations about who should be the number one driver and who should be prioritized, this, that, and the other? No, because to me, it seems all reactionary to this one race. And I don't think you can prioritize a driver in Monaco because it's not a race. It's just a don't mm -hmm. make a mistake on your pit strategy or, or your stop, right? I mean, we saw a couple more overtakes this year, but it's not it's not really a race, right? It's just mm -hmm. kind of like they're once they get out there, they're really just running laps and 
not making mistakes. Like if you don't make a mistake, you're going to probably, if, if nobody makes a mistake in the race in their pit or on the track, then it's going to finish the way that you started from qualifying. Right. So yeah. I think, I think it's, it was reactionary and maybe frustration on, on Max's dad to see that. I don't think that there was any prioritization. And then let's go back to every other race this year. There was extreme prioritization to have Max, uh, win the race to be the lead Red Bull driver. So um, I don't I don't see it causing friction. And like we've said on this podcast before, Checo Perez has a job and has a seat in Formula One simply be, because Red Bull pulled him in to be a teammate to Max, right? Like mm-hmm. that was, they were tired of Alex Albon and his poor performance, the inability of Alex to get that car in position to challenge the Mercedes, right? You know, Max hung out there on an island and you know and had no control over the pit strategy or or any of that and so you know they they pulls checo up there and that's what he's there for and you know if he wins races from now on he's going to win it on his own merit i don't think that they're going to prioritize him winning but i don't think they're going to stop him from winning correct i i totally agree with you on that i know that the media is dying for some drama uh but i i hope that that we're both right. I really do think they really enjoy each other's company and it's a mm-hmm. good vibe uh, there at Red Bull. And so far they've both been really good about accepting uh, each other's roles and, and realizing that it'd be good to have the constructor's title as well. Uh, so either this either makes them more dangerous or we start to see some things become uh, issues moving forward. But I agree with you. I think this is, this is all gonna be a good thing to have have both of them uh, competing so well uh, against one another and against the rest of the paddock uh, as well. Uh, Our next point out of the gate is an F1 uh, bullet point as well. This is one that you added uh, based on something, I I guess we both saw it on social media today, but some pretty cool news as far as a potential movie in the works about F1. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be directed by the same director who just came out with Top Gun Maverick. Um, mm. I think it's also going to be something along the lines of a Lewis Hamilton producing it. Uh, we don't know much about it at the moment, uh, but what it sounds like is this is going to be a like an Apple uh, produced show, right? That it's going to be, um, or not show, but movie, but it's going to be part of like the Apple TV mm. list of movies and shows, um, you know, digging through all of the stuff about it. Uh, it sounds like it's just now starting in the works, but you got to believe that this is a consequence of you know, just the popularity of Formula One taking off in the United States. It might be, it might be fiction. It might be historical. Um, if you saw the movie Rush, uh, the James Hunt, Nicky Lauda movie, I thought that was a tremendous movie. I knew nothing about Formula One when I watched <laughs> it, and I loved it. Right, it was a great film. So um, yeah. exciting, and getting Formula One a little bit more into pop culture is a cool thing to see. Totally agree. It's very interesting that Lewis Hamilton being involved doesn't really guarantee that, like you said, whether it's fictional or not. I could totally see it going more uh, fictional uh, with having certain parts about it that are legitimate, but like a, a made-up story with newer cars or something. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not saying because he's involved. It's oh, it's going to be about Ayrton Senna. It's going to be from the '80s and '90s, like. There's, I love that, that we don't quite know where it's going to land. Uh, but, but certainly with that director, that star power of Brad Pitt, uh, Lewis Hamilton being involved, trying to you know, maybe go down the LeBron James train of, 
let me get myself involved in as many things as possible before I retire so that I can uh, continue to you know be, be wealthy and be active afterward. Uh, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to it probably four years from now, but uh, nevertheless, it's going to be going pretty cool uh, whenever it yeah. does come out. Taking, taking a look, uh, it, it looks like it's probably going to be a little bit more fictitious. The, they're saying that it's something about Brad Pitt playing a racer who comes out of retirement to mentor a young driver and take his final stab at glory on the track as the younger driver's teammate. So, hmm. um, you know, sounds like uh, something we're kind of seeing now, right? You've got Seb Vettel coming out with a younger driver as his teammate. You've got Fernando Alonso with a younger driver teammate. Sounds like it's going to kind of play up that type of relationship. Yeah. I noticed you didn't so. say Lewis helping a younger teammate. Um yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Lewis will be his younger teammate. Who? That's knows? right. But That's I could right. also see it being if you. If I have not seen the new Top Gun movie. I know a lot I of people who have and love it. Uh, but I do know that the the research and the authenticity was to be authentic was extensive. So hmm. I can imagine that's why they really want to have Lewis Hamilton, the winningest driver in Formula One history, involved with the making of it to make it as real as possible. Yeah. So yeah, for excited sure. for it. Let's do it yeah, now. Me too. All right, let's move on uh, here stateside to some NASCAR action. It's time for Mostly Ovals. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Ooh, let's go racing today, boys. Once again, the NASCAR Cup Series goes to a new track for a new race, and Joey Logano is on top of the standings. Uh, if you remember last year, he was the driver that won the first Bristol Dirt Race. This year, he won the Clash at the LA Coliseum. And this past weekend, he's the winner of the um, Enjoy Illinois 300 at the Worldwide Technologies Raceway, which is uh, in Illinois, but they call they say St. Louis because it's the closest big city. But uh, nevertheless, let's talk about that top 10. A.J. Allmendinger, a fantastic day, getting a top 10 finish. Again, he's not running a full schedule, so anytime he has a type of result, uh, it's pretty impressive. Christopher Bell in ninth, Ross Chastain. Interesting day for him. Uh, still comes home in eighth. Eric Jones continues to rack up top tens for G, uh, GMS, Petty GMS. Martin Truex Jr. in sixth. Eric Almarola in fifth place. Ryan Blaney in fourth. Kurt Busch in third. Kyle Busch in second. And as I mentioned before, Joey Logano there uh, for a second race win of the season in first. Uh, for, forgetting the, the, the top tens, uh, obviously, you saw the end of the race. It was a pretty good restart, pretty good battle between Joey and Kyle Busch, uh, Kurt pushing his younger brother, all those good things. But at the end of the day, everyone's talking about Ross Chastain and uh, how he just slammed Danny Hamlin in the wall. Uh, and for me, the interview with Chastain after is probably one of the most surprising pieces uh, where he took full blame, uh, almost too much blame, and calling himself, who is a two-time cup winner, uh, a poor driver and saying he needs to get better uh, and accept any retaliation that's coming his way. That's not typically the type of interview we get from a NASCAR driver, regardless of the the uh, incident he may or may not have been involved in. Is that? Do you think it's real, or do you think it's just him playing the playing that specific card? I don't know. I think it's real, but it's also one of the first times, like for me, watching that. Like I think in my time watching NASCAR as a fan that was like one of the most like egregious attempts of retaliation that we saw mm. saw from Denny Hamlin and from Chase Elliott 
like and now it's not as egregious as what what used to happen i understand that but like we don't see that very often in today's races right and no. like they like it looked very intentional both of those guys were trying to wreck them if you listen to radioactive this week <laughs> i mean it's they were on the radio like i mean they're the people were furious with him yeah. so I, I feel like there's that poor driving i i don't think that chastain was doing this on purpose like but I right. think he was being really careless and reckless with what he was trying to do in the race and, and ruining other people's days. I think that we're getting to a point in the season where, I mean, have we, we've had like one weekend off of NASCAR. Not like, yet. We don't get one until July. Yeah. Like it's just crazy, man. Could you imagine you're doing this every week? You're on the road. Like <laughs> nope. these guys are burnt out right now. Right. And that's where I think we're going to see a lot of these tempers flare like this and, you know, I think that he was being legitimately apologetic, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what are you, like, in a lot of those situations, like, what are you doing, man? Like, the, it, but I don't know, but, but you know, the whole race started off like an action movie. Like, I think one of the drivers called it, it looked like a Michael Bay film with the, like, the pyrotechnics and things going off. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so we, we had to turn it into an action movie and see some people uh, getting into it a little bit. Yeah, uh, and then the two people who typically are going to get into it with people, you've got you, you know up front, you've got Kyle Busch and you've got Joey Logano, and they're going back and forth racing each other, super clean there at the end, like really good racing. Yeah, and then you get to overtime, and even like even better after overtime, I thought like, so you know my brother's watching the race with me, and I'm like, I'll watch. They're going to really boo this guy afterwards, but didn't hear a lot of boos for Logano this time. Uh, yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised by that as well. Uh, first time in St. Louis, so maybe they just enjoyed the fact that, as you just mentioned, the racing was very good. I thought overall, the whole time, right? from start to finish, yeah, the, the entire race was really good. Different lines you could take to get around somebody. Um, wasn't a whole lot of tire wear, but uh, that can also make things interesting at times. But it is, inter- it is very uh, odd to see Kyle and Joey play the gentleman's game. And meanwhile, other people are just slamming into each other. Uh, but I, I agree with your point about Chastain. I think that it's odd for him to take that stance because part of the reasons that he's been successful and also uh, been able to move back up to the Cup Series is his aggressiveness. He is one of the few drivers that, to this point anyway, has been unapologetically aggressive. And it's the reason for uh, his successes at times. And maybe now that aggressiveness wasn't working in his favor and, and ends up being a bad day for others. Um, and, and more specifically to others that are both outspoken and very popular. And that's not going to play well. You know, when you knock A.J. Allmendinger out of the way to win at Coda, um, okay, fine, whatever. But if you're going up against two of the most popular drivers and two of the most outspoken, then it bleeds over into a different crowd as far as mm-hmm. their uh, thoughts about you reputation, uh, things of that nature. So it was very odd to see him take that type of stance. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I don't think that it's going to change his driving style. I think it's just kind of who he is, but at least maybe maybe back off a little bit more uh, or, you know, he just attract he's not used to. Who, who knows? But I thought that I thought the interview was way more uh, apologetic than I expected. I mean, it's fine if you say I'm sorry a little bit, but to go as far as he went to basically call himself the worst driver on the track, basically, uh, was, 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 was odd, uh, for sure. And I don't know, I don't know if that frustration that he gave to Denny Hamlin was, uh, a part of 
Hamlin getting up in the Stenhouse Jr. Uh, later in the race, but I thought it was very interesting. Stenhouse got into Bubba, and Denny's like, "Uh-uh, like that's I own that car. We're gonna we're gonna have some things uh, yeah, too." Just, so yeah, he's, he's like, "What are you doing getting into cars running 30th? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of bumper car action. Uh, a little there. sunny delight. Yeah. Um, well, there's gonna be probably some more bumper car action going on this weekend. Sonoma Raceway, it's a road course. It's one of the OG road courses uh, in my lifetime. Uh, it used to just be Sonoma and Watkins Glen, California and New York. Uh, they're going to be there this weekend running through the S's. Uh, we used to be called Sears Point Sunday at 4 o'clock. Uh, you can check out the action there. Uh, just some quick notes. Uh, a portion of the circuit uses the, uh, a drag strip, actually, that NHRA still uses. Uh, they've been racing there since 1988. So on some of those drone shots, you actually see NASCAR uh, cars come, you know, make a turn, but if it's a wide enough shot, you'll see the, the drag strip uh, there as well. They go to plenty of cities where they share a drag strip uh, in the city, but uh, I think off the top of my head, this is the only one where they actually technically run on it a little bit uh, as well for, for the, the Cup Series track. So that'd be something interesting. And another interesting note, uh, Sonoma Raceway has a mascot. I uh, don't know if you knew that, but... His name is Vernon Bovine, and uh, I, I put a link in our notes so you can check it out yourself, Brad. He's, uh, oh, he's one cool-looking character. I've got it open. Uh, it's it's kind of creepy looking, man. If I ran into the Vernon Bovine on the on the streets of Sonoma, I'd be a little scared for myself. Yeah, but, me, uh, me and you both, for sure, especially since he usually this. sits on top of the marquee. So if he got off, that'd be a problem. Well, yeah, but, uh, but also, too, uh, what, what's the uh, tradition? What do you do when you win a race out there in Sonoma? I believe you have a sip of the wine. Probably big, glass of, big old glass of wine. <laughs> so, uh, I think last year Kyle Larson's wife drank more than he did. Hey, man, I'm all for that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It, yeah, it was really probably, cool. I think both of them probably drink a lot of wine these days to get through this season. Yeah. Not the, yeah. Not the luck he had, but that's, that's safe. let's save that for another time. Agreed, agreed. Uh, should be interesting. It's always Odd to watch them go real slow uh, around Sonoma and Watkins Glen and places, but uh, it's a really cool atmosphere to be a part of. So check it out this weekend. All right, let's go back in time again. Uh, we're going to Detroit this time for some All-American Open Wheeled Madness. Oh! I got it. I'm done. Yeah, those retards are ridiculous. They, they go so fast. This is stupid. I can't even put the power down. Yeah, man, the truck just came up. They leave that big piece of track just sitting there, and look what happened. What the f***? Dad, please just let me drive the car. Thank you. Brad mentioned he listened to the race on the radio. I watched it all on uh, USA Network, which crushed their ratings, which we'll talk about uh, here in a little bit. But a caution-free race uh, for once in IndyCar at the – Belle Isle racetrack, the last time they're going to be there before they race through the streets of Detroit next year. Will Power uh, wins the race, and now every Penske driver has stood on the top step of the podium this season, and Brad's got the rest of the top 10 for you. Boom. Uh, so going into our top 10, again, like you said, caution-free race, a lot of interesting things. It felt like strategy was the big, the big part of what dictated this race. So let's go down in 10th place. Uh, coming from the back, Felix Rosenquist gets himself up there. Solid finish uh, for or, uh, 
for the Swede. But then uh, up in ninth place, we've got Simon Pagano, Colton Herda. Uh, doesn't mess it up this time. Gets in the top mm-hmm. ten. Uh, gets himself in eighth place. The other Swede, Marcus Eriksson, uh, coming in seventh. Pretty nice finish for him uh, after a big win in Indy. Uh, sixth place, Alex Pillow. Fifth place, Pato Award. We saw really good racing with those guys. And the fourth place finisher, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, a lot of really good racing through the middle of uh, middle, kind of the middle laps of that. And then uh, third place, we've got Scott Dixon. Second place, we had the charging Alex Rossi. But uh, our winner, Will Power, holds him off. Uh, I think uh, I heard a couple of people on the radio broadcast said, uh, you know, if it was a, I believe there were, it was 70 total laps. They said if it was 71, uh, might have been a different winner. I mean, he was coming on strong. And I think especially you know, listen to the race and not see the difference. You know, they were just, you know, every corner, every different broadcaster they cut to is talking about, how much closer he was getting, how much closer Rossi was getting. And, uh, you know, Will Power, I think, puts a really nice run on the end uh, to uh, on those Firestone Reds to, you know, to, to hold them off. And, uh, you know, really great day. And it sounds like just you know, overall everybody was pretty pleased with that one. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was a – for a caution-free race, it was very exciting. I think that's the beauty of <clears throat> IndyCar and the strategy game. You had Rossi and – power on completely different strategies. You're asking power to go 20 laps or more on the red tires, which is not advisable. Uh, And Rossi gets to within a second, uh, but it's a little too late there there at the end. Um, I put a note down about Rossi. He's been hit or miss probably for the last year, uh, I would say. Uh, But last week, they make the announcement he's going to move over to McLaren next year. And immediately we see somebody drive kind of with anger uh, and, and just a push that hasn't been there consistently this season. You're, you're a former athlete, you're a current coach, you know what it's like to have, you know, stress on your shoulders and things of that nature or be at a place that you're not really enjoying. And when that time comes that you can say you're going to go somewhere else, it, it can kind of be relieving. Do you get a sense that maybe that's already happening with Rossi? He's like, well, I got Andretti for the rest of the year, but kind of got nothing to lose in that regard. I've already got a, a lineup for next year. So just going to go balls to the wall and see what happens. Yeah, I definitely think that that stress was off his shoulders. And for me personally, I saw the breaking news that Kyle Kirkwood had his seat first. Then I saw the news that oh. he made the move to McLaren. So at first I, I thought it was like disaster. I thought that like he had lost his seat. And then I realized it was because he was leaving, you know, it kind of puts everybody in a good rhythm. And, and really he just gets to finish out the year you know, really just pushing for himself. And you know the guys that are taking care of his car and that he's working with immediately on the team. Um, he wants to he wants to finish well for them. So, yeah, I think you got a good point there, Joe. I think that it's definitely – it's something where, you know, a little bit of the stress is off. It's a place that he's raced really well. Um, I think uh, I agree, but on the radio broadcast, they're saying that the, the best strategy of the day definitely goes to, uh, to, to the, the crew of the 27 because, you know, Alex Rossi and all those guys were, you know, they came in on lap four, right? Mm-hmm. Four laps in, they stopped, got off the reds and went for some long stints on those black tires. And, um, you know, they had a great, they had a great strategy on Will Powers team. 
But I think uh, the drive of the day goes to Will Power with really managing those tires well. After the race, said he had he thought he could get even more out of them, just really trying to manage it uh, at the end to make sure that he could have enough if Rossi did catch him to to maintain the lead for the win. So really cool, right? You start in, you start in eleventh place, you stop on the fourth lap and change your tires, and you know, end up with a second place, really dramatic finish for yeah, Rossi. And, and I mean, Will Power started sixteenth. Sixteenth, yeah. So, you know, really exciting to see how all of that played out. And, uh, yeah, last race out there at Belle Isle and moving it to downtown Detroit next year. And now Will Power's in the lead in points, and the top seven are only separated by 70-plus points, and that includes Alexander Rossi. So we've got a legit title fight on our hands uh, the rest of the way without playoffs, without fancy uh, ways of people getting in or getting out. Uh, so looking forward to the rest of that. <laughs> Sprint yeah. races, all the other kind of, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, no lipstick necessary. So right, very, excited, right. very, very excited for that. Yeah. Well, they're back in action on June 12th at 1230 uh, at Road America up in Wisconsin. I love that track. I love racing it on video games. I love watching uh, race cars. It's one of the few road courses uh, that have really long straights for speed and indie cars really know how to exploit that. Um, interesting, no repeat winners since 2017. So maybe we'll get a new, uh, winner in that regard in a couple of weeks. And, uh, interesting fact, and, and some people already know this about AJ Allmendinger, you know, he's, he's the road ringer dinger for a reason, right? Because he's, he grew up open wheel racing. Well, he actually won an IndyCar race in 2006, uh, at yeah. America. So, okay. uh, that's a pretty cool fact, uh, to take to trivia or something perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember uh, one of my first IndyCar races that I really watched was there at Road America. So one of my favorites and uh, Joe, you and I are going to get together this weekend. So maybe we find a way to watch the start of that race together. That's right. That's right. We're going to have uh, the sound system turned up and the, the blinds closed. So the sun doesn't bother. You know how I don't, I don't like the, bl- you know, the sun on the TV. So I got <laughs> to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> We'll be excited for a big morning of racing. Yeah. All right. Let's head into, uh, especially, or speaking of morning of racing, let's head into those hot lap headlines, shall we? Perfect segue. headlines of the week uh first one f1 is in baku one of my personal favorite places to race even though the castle is fake uh but they're there it's we've had five races five different winners so if you remember last year we thought max was going to get it blew a tire at the end we had a crazy red flag restart lewis hamilton misses the first turn checo perez gets a win with red bull who's it going to be are we going to have a new winner this time or is checo perez going to go back to back uh, I think we're going to have a new winner. Um, I don't think <laughs> it's going to be Checo, but I think it's going to be somebody with the Red Bull on the side of the car. I think it's going to be George, but that's we'll talk about that later. Mm. Uh, speaking of winners, uh, we haven't talked about NHRA in a while, uh, even though I went to a race not that long ago. Uh, but this weekend in New England, Mike, Mike Salinas in Top Fuel, Matt Hagen, who drives for Tony Stewart Motorsports, uh, wins again. I think it's his fourth win this year, so they're doing very well on that side and funny car and erica enders continues her hall of fame uh eventually career and pro stock with a victory boom 
Big stat here. You know, Joe's good at digging up all these viewers and all of these different numbers and things, but 16.5 million people in the United States tuned in to one of three races on Memorial Day weekend. That was up 4%. So that's going back a week when we're looking at the uh, start of the day. We started off over at the Monaco Grand Prix. Then we had the IndyCar race at Indianapolis, the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500, uh, and then finished the day with the Coke 600. So 16.5 million people just in the United States watched at least one of those three races. On the downside of TV numbers, the Belle Isle race this weekend brought in just 354,000 viewers. Uh, now they were competing with NASCAR and the NHL playoffs at the same time. They were also on USA Network versus NBC. So it's not always about the popularity of the track. It's also about where that race can be found. Uh, NASCAR on FS1, two and a half million. They've been averaging about four million. So you got to, if you want to see more people uh, tune into your broadcast, you got to get it on network television. Yeah. Well, tough to see that after a great Indy 500. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. High side, low side. Let's do it. For me, over 10 hours of motorsports uh, in person and on the track this weekend produced uh, six races at South Boston Speedway on Saturday night, which included one of the best finishes I've ever seen uh, for any division of motorsports on a, a last corner pass, cars locked together coming to the finish line. Uh, really, really cool uh, to see that. And then just sat on the couch for IndyCar, NASCAR, and NHRA just flowed right into it after NASCAR. So I was a happy camper on Sunday. Yeah, that was pretty good. I was, uh, like I said, caught uh, like about the, I guess the last stage of the NASCAR race uh, with my brother, having fun watching that on Sunday. But High side for me was uh, finding, like I said, the uh, all the NTT IndyCar Series official broadcasts are listed as podcasts on Spotify. So I queued it up and on my drive home on Monday, listened to uh, my first IndyCar race start to finish. So listened to the whole thing. Uh, got a lot of the pre-race stuff in, got all that, really enjoyed that. And uh, uh, my first time getting to listen to all of that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's tough to listen to those broadcasts and be driving a car yourself, you know, you're like, kind of feel you know especially there at the end everybody's screaming and yelling about rossi closing the gap and i'm passing people on the interstate got to check my speed a little bit <laughs> i'm closing the gap too watch out oh yeah, yeah uh, you're so good at listening and watching stuff after the fact i kind of just i can't do it so kudos to you uh, uh for that and and my low side is is a, is a good and bad thing just I'm realizing there's never enough motorsports man i just want to be around it all the time i want to be around concrete asphalt uh, whatever dirt doesn't matter. Uh, so on days where we don't have anything, uh, I'm searching for new stuff or old stuff doesn't matter. Uh, so that that's my even after all those hours on the weekend, I was like, man, I could I could love I could really use another race uh, to watch uh, of anything. So that's that's my low side. It's never enough. Yeah, my low side I think is uh, is going back to IndyCar and. Uh, I, there's something about watching that Belle Isle track and everybody swimming in the fountain and how unique that was and getting to watch that for the first time, um, you know, the last couple of years as a fan, you know, they only do one race there this weekend and it's the last time and I get it. I'm sure downtown Detroit's going to be fun, but you know, I think I left, especially kind of listening to, like, you could hear the nostalgia with the broadcasters on the radio. Um, sounds like it's going to be one that's missed. And, um, you know, at all, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that they're moving away from that one. I get it, but I'm still bummed about it. 
Well, that's our high side and low side. We try to do that every episode uh, to make sure that uh, we touch on some things maybe we didn't earlier in the race. And we're going to finish with our final burnout. And just a quick reminder that the SRX series is on its way. June 18th is the first race. These, in case you forget, are it's a six uh, race series that feature many of the drivers that people grew up with. And some that are still racing, Helio Castroneves being one of those. Uh, they go to six different short tracks, some dirt, some asphalt, some concrete throughout the country. And they also bring in one local guy or girl to the race as well uh, to go along with it. So the, the list this year of drivers is enormous compared to a year ago. Uh, features some really cool one-offs. Ryan Blaney is going to race with his dad at the final race of the year. Uh, they're going to come to South Boston on June 25th, and Peyton Sellers, who's a seven-time track champion, is going to get to go up against these guys. Uh, but Five Flags Speedway, June 18th on CBS, then South Boston Speedway. Uh, it's every Saturday, starting on June 18th, by the way. Stafford Motor Speedway up in Connecticut, Nashville Fairgrounds in Tennessee, I-55 Raceway in Missouri, and then they finish off at Sharon Speedway in Hartford, Ohio. All the games are on, or all the races, excuse me, are on Saturday, and they are all on CBS. So uh, network television, Saturday night, primetime viewing, man. I, I really enjoyed it last year. I think this year somehow is going to be even better. Yeah, now looking through that list of drivers, who you got? If you got to pick one, one driver that would win it all out of all those guys. Oh, um, it's a really good question. I mean, how do I not pick Tony Stewart? I mean, he's still, he still got it, man. He won last year. Um, and not all these drivers are racing every race, so that's another another factor. You know what? I'll, I'll say I'll go I'll go with the young guy. I'll say Ernie Francis Jr. He showed a lot of grit last year, won a race. I think he can do it. I'm gonna say Ernie Francis. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know how many of them are racing all of them, but I'll tell you one. I'm excited to watch Ryan Hunter Ray. That's one that really sticks out. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. I'm sure he is too. He's tired of being on the sideline. <laughs> yeah so can't wait for some good srx racing coming up next weekend really cool stuff well thank you all so much for tuning in uh to the show this week we'll be back next week uh with a recap of f1 and nascar anything else that may come up in in the meantime you can check us out on twitter at one lap down pod we also post our broadcasts on facebook at one lap down podcast so until next week i'm joe hutzler i'm brad dunn And we'll talk to you then. See ya.